What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and this week on the show, we've got Sonia Deville, WWE GM, well, assistant GM, whatever her role is. She's on the show this week, and I'm super excited about our conversation. We talked about a bunch. We talked about her being a GM. We talked about her start in the business before when she was just living in LA, grinding. Lots of good stuff here. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get into that, though, I got to do a little bit of housekeeping because I don't know if you guys listened to the end of the episode when I'm running through some of these things. So I'm mentioning it now. Go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. Please go subscribe to this podcast feed. If you're watching on video, pick up your phone, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called these days, Spotify, search for Out of Character and make sure that you are subscribed to this show. So you get the show every week downloaded to your phone directly or make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find the video version of this show every week premiering at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And if you're subscribed, you'll see videos from SmackDown. You'll see videos from Raw and other stuff as well. So just really make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Also, go follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're even on TikTok now, even though we don't have any videos there yet. But still, go follow WWE on Fox. All right, I got all, all of that out of the way. Let's get into this week's interview with Sonia Deville. And I want to start off our conversation uh, the way I start off every episode, and that's asking you, how much of your real true self is there in the character that you play on TV right now? 75%. Okay, you want 75%. to... 75%. Which part is you and which part is the character? <laughs> so the reason I couldn't say more of a percentage is because then I would be self-proclaiming I'm a narcissist and a complete <laughs> and utter like, no, but, um, so the, the part of her that, that is me is probably the overzealous passion, right? Like I, I want to be the best. I am a perfectionist. I'm at times overly critical to myself and others. Um, so the intensity and the passion of Sonia is through and through me. Um, the narcissism and the <laughs> demeaning derogatory manner of her character, um, not so much, you know, obviously we all have parts of that, but no, but no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely dialed up, um, to a thousand for sure. But it's, it was kind of like, um, me channeling a lot of like, my, my upbringing and, and my family, I grew up around a lot of like crazy Italians in, in a small town in South Jersey. So it was kind of easy to uh, channel a lot of pieces of a lot of people that I know. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of people in Sonia. how did you get from Jersey to LA? Cause you were an LA person when you did tough enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the long of the short, the short of the long is um, when I was 17, the day of my high school graduation, I, went to South Florida to start fighting with American top team. Uh, one of the biggest MMA camps in the world yep. and uh, told my dad I was going to college at Palm beach state college, but that wasn't true. I dropped out like three weeks later cause I knew I wanted to be a fighter. Um, and so I was a cocktail server and fighting MMA and taking background roles on burn notice and glades in Miami. Um, so I was just kind of pursuing fighting and acting, which was always my two dreams. Um, and then one day I woke up and I was like, okay, I've done all I can do in Miami. I need to go somewhere where there's more acting and, and, and equal level of fight training. So then I picked New York, um, did that for a year. And then I was like, 
no, there's got to be somewhere that's even more prominent for acting and fighting. And I was like, oh, LA. And so I saved up like five grand bartending, um, drove my car across the country with one of my, my first girlfriend. Um, and I signed up for a fight gym and I started doing anything I could to get auditions and acting. And I ended up hosting a UFC show on after buzz TV, um, which is owned by Maria Menounos and her husband, uh, Kevin. And I just tried to do whatever I could to dive into both worlds equally. And then from there, Maria kind of got a call for her to do tough enough. And she was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm too old for this. And I don't want to <laughs> go through all She's going to kill me for saying that, but that's what she said. And she's like, I have the perfect girl. She's 21. She's fiery and, and passionate and she's fighting MMA and she's, she's cool and whatever. And so she called me with the opportunity and I was like, let's do it. I'm, you know, I'm a competitor. I'm a, I understand where opportunities lie when I hear things that feel true to my soul and like who I am, I, I take them. And so I didn't, I, I want to say that it's very important looking back that I didn't put myself into that box of, I want to be an MMA fighter. I don't succeed at this. I don't want to do anything else and I'll die there. Like I knew that that's where my passion lied but I was also aware enough at the time to see an opportunity when one came. And that's when I realized that my passion for acting and fighting already existed in one industry and it's called WWE. So, yeah, I watched, uh, I, I went back and I was usually when I'm doing these interviews, I'll go on YouTube and I'll put the person's name in and I'll try and find the oldest YouTube videos I can find of theirs. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to show it, but, but, uh, okay. But I I saw one from from you from 2012 where you talk about wanting to be the next big action star and you're you're talking about how you want to be an action star and that's like a goal of yours. So it makes sense to hear you say that because it almost feels like you kind of realized that wrestling was your way of getting to live out your action star fantasies on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah, and and that was the weird um, realizing the culmination between the two things that I loved existing in pro wrestling and WWE was really interesting because it was a world I didn't know much about. And so when I discovered it and I went to my first tryout for tough enough, I was like, hello, like this has been here all along. And I've never thought of this. Um, as much as I loved fighting and I love acting it, it's literally the world's put together in like the most perfect dream career for me. So yeah, it, it kind of worked out. Yeah. I, uh, wait, I want to, I, I, Pat, you said something a minute ago and I want to get back to it real fast before we breeze past it. How long was it before you told your dad that you had dropped out of school? Oh, um, so I, I dropped out like three weeks in. Um, I was in the middle of like a, I don't know, some horrible lecture class where it was like dark in the room. There was like PowerPoint slides and he was just talking. And I was like, this is not for me. This is not for me. And then like the kid next to me was like, you want to go to Ruby Tuesdays? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And then we left and I never came back. And I was already... <laughs> <laughs> I was already training. Maybe it wasn't a Ruby Tuesdays. Maybe it was a whatever, like a Fridays or something. But it paints the picture already, of what you were telling. Yeah. I, I was already training with American Top Team and I would be at the gym for like no joke. Uh, you can ask my old coaches. Like I was there like six, seven hours a day because I would go, um, I would do the Muay Thai class, the jujitsu class, but I would come early and I'd stay late. And so I was already there like six, seven hours a day and school on top of that. And then I was cocktail waitressing. So um, I was like, I know there's nothing in these books that is ever going to lead to my future career paths that I want to take. So gots to go. So my dad found out like 
two weeks after, because he like, we would talk every day on the phone and he kind of caught on to my scheduling. And he was like, shouldn't you be in class? Like he just like caught on. He's not stupid. So he was like, did you drop out of school? And I was like, yeah. And he, he like was mad for like a day. And then he was like, all right, well figure it out because you know, he didn't see a future in MMA until, Oh, that's funny. You have that picture. So that is the fight. So I fought two sisters. So I don't know which sister that is, but I think it's the second one, but I think he came to that fight. My dad, it was in California. He's like, all right, let me try to support this career of hers came to that fight. And I, the girl verbally tapped out. I don't know. I like TKO'd her. And then she was like, stop, stop. So it was like a TKO technically, whatever. He was in like the front row and he was like screaming, going crazy. And then after that, he was like, oh, my daughter's, my daughter's an MMA fighter. My daughter's going to fight Ronda Rousey. My daughter, you know, like then he started getting on the hype train. So. Well, that's funny then that it must be an interesting full circle. And I hate to skip ahead here, but you know, the fact that your dad was saying that back then, he must, it, it must blow his mind to see that you're doing stuff with Ronda Rousey now in WWE. Yeah, he, he, he loves it. And, um, he, he called me about it this week and my former MMA coach called me and it was, it was funny because you don't remember things like the years go by so fast and you forget where you were in that mindset. But my coach reminded me, he's like, remember like every training session, we were like prepping you to fight Ronda Rousey one day. And like, I was like, oh my God, like, I forgot that that was at one point, like my end all be like, that was my goal. And so, and something that like drive me every day in MMA training. So it was really cool. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. Like now you're facing her in, you know, a different aspect, a different industry, but it's like so full circle, you know, whatever. So that was pretty cool. And it makes sense for your dad to have uh, had reservations at the time because I mean, women's MMA still is growing. Like back then was, was yeah. she, was Rhonda in UFC already at that point? Or was she still in strike force? No. So when I started training, I didn't even know Rhonda. I was a Chris Cyborg and, you know, there was a few other girls in strike force at the time that I was yeah. super big on, but I didn't even know Rhonda yet. That came about. So I started training in 2010. Um, and then a couple of years later was when UFC decided, okay, we're going to have women's MMA on the card because originally Dana White was like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. He was like, against uh, it. he was like, it's never going to happen in the UFC. Yeah. So that's like when I was training and that's when I was like, planning, you know, the seeds in my head. And I was like, well, that's not going to be true. I'm going to be the first, you know? And so I, I had those kind of dreams then. And then as I got more into my training, Rhonda became prominent. And then it was like, okay, now I got to start. Like, that's my focus. I want to face Ronda Rousey in the octagon um, in the UFC. Once that became a feasible goal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that I, I, I very much remember when you got chosen for tough enough or when it was announced that you were going to be on tough enough because I'm an LA guy. And I remember the LA scene was so pumped that you were going to be on the show for the reason that you said, cause you were like an after buzz person. And I mean, if people don't, you know, remember her from back then you can look like there's videos of Sonia, just like reviewing TV shows, like just doing her thing at after buzz, like bar rescue with, you know, Daria's reviews on it and stuff. So it's really cool for me to see someone like you, you know, move out of here in, in such a successful way not not move out of LA but like you know blow up in the way you have it's really cool thank you it, you know I look back to that period of time that period of time was so interesting because I was on such a heavy grind that like so it was 6 a.m to uh eight with my boxing coach training then from nine to eleven was team practice 
And then I'd go home shower. I'd open my bar at noon. I became the manager and then I'd close it at 2 a.m. And that was six days a week. And so, and then on Sundays, which was like my off day, I would drive from Culver City, people that live in LA know, to the Valley to host After Buzz um, UFC show, which was watching three hours of the UFC card from the night before in a trailer and then doing an hour long show. So the grind was real. So when I got the call for tough enough, I was like, this is, this has got to be my out. Like this has got to be like my opportunity. And so that's to give people perspective. That was also one of the reasons why I was so ready to take that opportunity. Um, I was, I was loving the grind when I was in it. I was loving it. It was great, but it was a grind and it was, I knew it was a means to an end to get to somewhere that I needed to get. So I didn't think twice, but it, it, it was to culminate and to bring me to WWE is what I believe. I feel like even though you had a crazy schedule, then your schedule must be even crazier now. I feel like I constantly see you doing like you're always on the go. It feels like. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think it's probably the most out of anyone on the roster because it's both TVs, every live event and every pay-per-view. So yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. You can meet all the live events too. um, Yeah. I'm on all the live events now for the last like, Two, three months when I got back in the ring with Naomi. Yeah. That's great. Oh, yeah, because I forgot you're that makes sense because you're back in the ring now and stuff. So that would make sense that you'd be on the live events too. Yeah. Was, you know, it was uh I was guest refereeing for Naomi Charlotte for a few live events. Then it was um me and Rhonda had a couple. So yeah, various things just to um, you know. You know, in going full circle, I thought it was cool as well to see you on the elimination chamber card. Uh and Lita was also on the card where she was one of your trainers. And I was like, what a cool full circle connection there. Yeah. I, I was talking to her that whole week. We were like together in the same hotel and everything. And we were talking and I was like, what a full circle moment it would be if we ever had a match. Um, just cause she was, I'll never forget this. I wanted to say this on something too. She gave me like the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. And you know, it was important and good because it's stuck in my head from seven and a half years ago. But she said, she pulled me aside during tough enough. Cause she saw that I was really intense to say the least. Like I, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Everything is like 1000% or nothing. Um, it's just how I'm wired. And so she saw me kind of like, just like really sensitive to what was going on around me. And she pulled me aside and she's like, listen, take this serious, but don't take it serious at all. And like, I was so confused by that statement at the time. And then as years passed, it made so much sense. You know, she's like, she was trying to tell me like, take it serious and do your job and be a professional. But at the same time, like relax and realize that it's, it's all fun and it's, you know, have fun with it and and chill because if not, the moment's going to pass you by. And so I've kind of kept that advice with me all these years. That's great advice. And I think that it's honestly one that as long as I've been, you know, doing stuff like this, that I've, I honestly, I feel like I'm only finally grasping it now because it really is hard to take it serious but not make it like uh control you and make you like just you're you're all out of whack because you're so focused on succeeding at the task at hand exactly and it's you know it's a world where we have control to a certain extent but to a certain extent we don't and so and I'm a control freak right I like to control my outcome I like to I'm a perfectionist I like to do things my way but like in an industry like this, it's uber competitive and you don't have all the control. You don't have all the power. So there is a certain point where you need to try as hard as you can and put out 
the best product that you can, but at the end of the day, succumb to the powers that be that are making, you know, the decisions. So it's a, it's a good balance that I try to keep more now than I ever have, but yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I remember my very first TV show. Cause I'm, I'm really the same way as you. I can tell I'm, I feel the exact same way when I'm working <laughs> on things. And, um, I, I very vividly remember my first show. I was doing something. I was only a PA on this TV show that I was working on. And I remember just being really stressed and in the moment and a producer taking me aside and being like, dude, we're making a TV show. We're not curing cancer here. Like you can chill, you know, you don't have to be this stressed about it. And it, and it, and it resonated with me as well. It's always, it's always stuck in the back of my head. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like that's our character, that's our makeup. Right. So it's like, we're, we're prone to think that way and feel that way. I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of times People are like, relax, like it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not okay. We have to do the most. And like, even my nail lady, every time she does my nail, she's like, honey, relax your finger, relax your finger. Because I'm just like sitting there like this probably. But like in my head, I feel like I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm just getting my nails done. But like, I mean, every time she does my nails, she's like, relax your finger, chill. I'm like, are they tense? I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never, I I think this is the most I've related with one of my guests on the show because I'm like constantly like on edge and I don't realize it. And someone's got to be like, hey, man, like, it's cool. You're just doing something fun. Like, it's OK. We're just, you know, we're just talking. You know what I want to tell them, though? Like, I'm happy this way. Like, you might think it's intense and and, you know, uptight. But like, I'm happy this way. Like, I might seem like as stiff as a, you know, cardboard box on the outside, but like, I feel good. Like I like being over analyzing and critical of myself. It's, I enjoy it this way. <laughs> yeah. You're, you are, we were talking about this before we started recording, but you're going to love the Kanye West documentary. I can tell him that now from just talking to you these you know 20 minutes <laughs> or whatever, because he's a guy who is very similar in that regard. And he is not letting anyone waver him from his dream and it's crazy to see someone who is that dedicated to their dream for so long and become as big as they are to see them before they're famous and to have people right. ign ignoring them or you know Kanye's borrowing other people's studio time because his label won't let him uh record it's crazy so I you're gonna love the Kanye West documentary I, I can't I, wait to watch it I can't wait to watch it I'm so excited I told you Liv told me I have to watch it um I think because she knew I would relate. So I'm, I'm so stoked. I'm going to watch it maybe today. Yes, please do. Uh, well, what was your initial reaction to learning that you'd be part of uh, the Elimination Chamber event in Saudi Arabia? Um, excited. Overly excited. I So I always remember every time they went to Saudi and every time the girls went to the Middle East, I was like, oh, I really want to go. And I always understood that it didn't work at the time or I wasn't in a storyline in the ring at the time. So, but I wanted, I always wanted that experience. Um, and I firmly believe that every time we go over there, we do a little more and we make a little more change and impact. Um, and I think that's really special. And so I've always wanted to be a part of that. And when I heard what the match was, I was even more stoked. Um, just having me and Naomi's story kind of flow into this match made complete sense. And then uh, going up against Rhonda and having Charlotte as my partner was was huge. So I was overwhelmed and excited. Yeah, I agree that it's nice to see, you know, with each event, a little more progress and a little more change happening. Yeah. And obviously, you being part of the event signifies that. 
even more. Can you tell me a little bit about the experience, though? Because obviously I'm not there, but I've seen all your guys' pictures and it looks like a pretty cool uh, experience. It looks like it was a great time that you had. Yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. And, um, you know, we may have been a little spoiled because we were there with WWE and they really just took care of us. And from the second we landed, um, the hotel was incredible. We had this like traditional Saudi Arabian dinner um, that night, which was at some yacht club. Um, I didn't see any yachts, so I was confused, but it was beautiful. <laughs> and there was like this infinity pool and like these like this buffet that went on forever and they had these performers and dancers and singers. It, it was incredible. It was a really cool experience. Um, just to, I, I love feeling diverse and I love feeling like I can appreciate and see other cultures. Um, and so that was, it was super cool and it was a great experience. I did a special Olympics event when I was there, which was so cool. Um, played some ping pong and embarrassed myself cause I only had one hand, uh, thanks to Ronda Rousey, yeah. but, uh, but no, it was a really cool experience. The food, man, that food spread that you posted pictures of looked amazing. It was to die. And like, I'm a foodie, like I love food. So I was like, all right, let's see what this is all about. But like nine different types of hummus. I don't even know if they're all called hummus. Some were like purple, <laughs> but they're like these hummus looking spreads and they were to die for. And then like all these just like meat dishes and uh, these desserts. It was like this banana dessert. I don't know what it's called, but it was amazing. Um, yeah, I was in heaven because I, I love food. Yeah. I, I, I know you're a food fan. You got your whole donuts thing going on. You're clearly a dessert person. And so when you, I, I could tell from the pictures you posted that you were impressed while there. Cause I feel like you wouldn't have posted them if you hadn't been. You're like waiting to see like the, uh, you know, like the scenery and what it looks like in Saudi Arabia. And all you see on my Instagram story is like the food. And you're like, wow, well, that's what she's doing while she's there. Not sightseeing. She's just eating all the food. But honestly, that's what I would do if I was there. If I had the if I had that option available, I'd be like, oh, go out and venture or try all this fancy food here at this insanely nice hotel. I would be trying the the nice food in the insanely fancy hotel. For sure. Like for sure. And like, you know, we're jet lag, we're tired. So I just made sure I got a work in out, a workout in during the day and then ate my food. It was great. That hotel looks so baller too. Like it, I, I, it's the same one that you that they always say at, right? Um, I think they've stayed there before because this was Jeddah. Uh, oh yeah, Sometimes yeah. I go to Rio. Yep, yep. But um, they did stay there before. It's gorgeous. It's like everything just looks like handcrafted and like marble and like I don't even know. It just looks so grand and like amazing. It was beautiful. Well, you know, with the match itself, what kind of feelings did you have walking out, knowing that you were making history in Saudi Arabia? Um, I wanted to smile so bad and you know, it's so funny watching it back. I was like, Oh my God, you look miserable. And which, okay. Per, that fits the character. But in my head, I was like, I wanted to smile so bad. Maybe that's why I look extra miserable. Cause I was like holding it in, but, um, yeah, it just felt grand, right? Like the, even like the setup looked like a WrestleMania setup. And then you're in Saudi Arabia and you hear these fans who don't get to see WWE, you know, four times a week, like they do in the States. So it, it was just so special, so cool. And then when I heard the eruption of booze, when my music hit, I was like stunned. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. We're, we're doing the, we're doing our job here. This is great. Um, it, it was super cool. 
I feel like it's similar to a musician when they perform in another country and it's, you know, a different language they speak there, but everybody in the crowd is still singing their song in English. And it's like, whoa, this is the kind of yeah. impact that I'm having crazy. Well, and that's, that's exactly what the booze signified. It was like, oh, they, they really watched the show. They know who I am because, you know, I just, I'm, unless they just didn't like me, but the way I looked or something, but no, I was like right away when they booed, I was like, oh my God, they, they watch the product and they hate me. I love, I love hearing that you had to, it was tough to hold the smile in when you were coming out because my next question that I've written down here was when you're a bad guy in wrestling, is it tough to contain your emotions in a moment like that? So I like that you beat me to it because I was genuinely wondering that. So, um, normally no, because, well, Okay. Normally, no. Um, I do get so into the moment, like when I'm in, like in like a deep story, like me and Naomi, me and Mandy from last year, uh, or two years ago now, God, um, it's, it's relatively easy to stay in the moment because I'm so engulfed in the depth of the storyline and like everything that's happened. Like there's only one way I could be, but if I'm doing like a random backstage with somebody that I love and I have to be complete B I T C H to them, I'm like, sometimes cracking a smile when I used to do backstages with um Billy Kay and Peyton Royce I would break all the time just because they're really funny people so yeah there's been moments where I'm like oh my god how am I going to contain this but um most of the time for especially the stuff currently I'm like so in it that I probably couldn't be nice if like you asked me if I wanted to water <laughs> yeah no but I, I feel like it, I, that makes perfect sense but in a moment like this where it's like one of those times where they tell you to like stop and take it in and like not let it pass you that's the kind of time I feel like it would be hard so that that's kind of why I was wondering for sure in a moment like you know I, as much yeah. as you want to say it like what you did in Saudi Arabia is a huge deal just like you going out there in the ring doing that like it is a big deal so it would be hard you know in the moment to to kind of keep that smile in yeah and I was like yeah I was torn I, I remember being torn in the moment like you can you can let it out a little bit and then it's like no just same character. So I was just like, yeah, I was definitely torn. That was probably the most torn I've ever been for sure. Is it, what about when you're working with Vince? You had that, you know, you've had, a, you've had an interaction with him on camera. Is it tough to, is it tough to stay fully, you know, in your game when he's right there in front of you a few feet away? Yeah. Um, I feel like, so the last like two segments I've done with him, it was like a really like, giggly atmosphere like we were all like joking and laughing like right before we filmed so I remember being like so like excited and giddy but then like when you have a scene to do with Vince McMahon and you have lines to remember with Vince McMahon like it's real easy to go laser folk from you know zero to a hundred in two seconds so but yeah like the the environment and the atmosphere just before the camera went on was like we were all like laughing and joking and like making fun of each other so like yeah, it was kind of like a second I had to take to like zoop, turn it off because I didn't want to just start laughing in the middle of a scene. But yeah, that's funny you said that because we we have such a good time when we film. So yeah, since he's like the ultimate villain boss in WWE, uh, is there any advice that he's passed on to you that you've kind of taken on now that you are one of the evil bosses on WWE TV right now? Um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, to to pinpoint one. He, he reminds me to smile a lot, ironically, because I think he loves the demeaning attitude of when someone of my role does something more passive aggressively. 
and then smiles. I think he thinks that that's so much more powerful than just being like, you're not allowed in this match and da 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 da. Um, so that's like a piece of advice he gave me when I kind of first started the role that I've taken throughout. Um, and it's really helped. And if you look back at his stuff, he's just genius at, um, when he just gives that grin and he's doing his walk and, uh, 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 um, it's just so hateable. So it's like, yeah. So he kind of gave that to, to me. Yeah. And when you say that note, I, it's, it, it brings up images of Stephanie McMahon in my head of her saying something really yeah. mean and then smiling about it. And I, I didn't, I never really connected it, but she does that a lot too, where she is saying the meanest yeah. thing to you with a smile on her face. And it does make you dislike that person more. Cause you're like, why are they smiling while saying such a mean <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I've gotten a lot of what I do from Stephanie, um, looking back at old Stephanie stuff. And I think that is Vince's kind of vision for me as a Stephanie-esque character. Um, so it's like when I do get in the ring, it's like, yeah, I get in the ring, but I get in the ring as an authority figure. And I I will use my power how I see fit and how I can uh, to my advantage. And I'll enjoy doing it because that's what Steph does. And that's what he does. He, uh, Vince did. So I've taken a lot of notes from both of their, their past uh, work for sure. With you bringing that up, with you bringing that up, I actually wonder. I had that. I was. I have this marked for later, but I want to talk about it now. Then, you know, for your future in wrestling, do you see yourself going back in ring full time at some point? Or are you much more satisfied with what you're doing now, getting to, you know, spread yourself across multiple shows in different ways? So this is the double edged sword that I talk about. Um, and I was actually talking to Liv about this the other day. So a few years back when I was in absolution or in fire and desire with, with Mandy, um, I didn't get much speaking time on the mic. I was more of just like this intense ass kicker MMA fighter. And I remember thinking I want an opportunity to speak on the mic because I don't think Vince knows I do have a little bit of an acting background and I think I'll excel on the mic, maybe even more so than my in-ring career. But I know right now they see me as like, oh, she's an MMA fighter. Her strikes look great. She looks great in the ring. Let's, she doesn't need the mic, you know? And so I called Vince and I was like, hey, sir, um, I know you like my intensity and um, everything in the ring, but I actually have an acting background and I'd love to show you that I can bring that intensity and legitimacy to the microphone as well. And if you give me one opportunity and I drop the ball, then I'll go back to not speaking. But can you just give me this one opportunity? And he said, okay, thanks. And he hung up the phone. And a week later I had the like eight minute in-ring promo with Mandy and that I kind of pinpoint as a little bit like career changing just because nobody heard me talk prior to then besides saying like a one-liner and dropping the mic and then kicking someone's head off. Yep. So it was really important to me at that time to show everybody, Hey, I have much more depth to my character than this. I can do so much more and maybe even more so than the in-ring stuff. But then now I've showed everybody like, Hey, I, I, I have chops on the mic, but now I want to show them like, Hey, don't forget I can kick ass too. And I can do everything in the ring, but that's just going back to being a perfectionist. That's just wanting to do it all and wanting to have it all. Um, with all of that being said, I'm very happy with where I'm at. Um, and I love having the representation on both shows, both brands. I love the pressure of 
opening the show a lot of the nights and closing the show. Like I love all the mic work that I'm getting and all of that camera time. So I love where I'm at. I would never rush myself out of it. But if the time comes where he sees me as a full-time in-ring competitor again, I'm happy to step it up and show everyone that I can do it there as well. Yeah. I talk with my producer before each interview, you know, we'll talk about some of the stuff I might cover or whatever. And, and your, you know, your take right there is exactly what I was wondering. And it's, I was conflicted in talking about it as I, as you are talking about it about yourself of like, well, you know, normally you'd say you'd want to get back in the ring, but you're getting so much more screen time now than you ever did as a full-time in-ring competitor that it makes perfect sense yeah. that you're not rushing yourself back to that when you're killing it in this role. And there's, there's no reason to, to rush back necessarily. I mean, like you're, you're a featured person in the video game now with all the other GMs, you're, you're going to be in a, you know, an elite class uh, of people like a Stephanie McMahon or Adam Pierce or a Teddy Long and stuff like that. So um, I was very interested to hear what you were going to say about that. And I, I also liked hearing that you called Vince on your own and, and asked for that opportunity because my producer, similarly, when we were talking before, he said, man, I, you know, I love everything Sonya is doing right now. But before she left, you know, before she took a little hiatus, um, the stuff she was doing on the mic then really made me a huge fan of hers. And so I'm torn, too, because I love what she's doing now, but I also love what she was doing right before she went on a hiatus. So it's like a this, this yeah. toss up of a situation. I, I think um, so, like about halfway through this role, I was going to Vince and I was like, when am I getting back in the ring? When am I getting back in the ring? Like just kind of pestering him. And he was like just, just wait, just wait. And then like a couple of weeks ago, he pulled me aside and he was like, aren't you glad you waited? And so that was kind of my confirmation from him letting me know, like, look at how much equity and how much work we just put into this character. And now she can go anywhere and do anything from this point on. So that was kind of cool. Cause as a competitor and as someone who's, um, you know, constantly just wanting to be better, like all of us, you, it's hard to be in the moment and realize what you're doing being special. You always want more. And so that was kind of a cool moment where I was like, wait, he's, he's right. We just put a lot of work into this character. We, it was very consistent and long and you don't get that very often um, here. Right. Like sometimes things are short lived and it was like just a couple week thing. And it's cool to be a part of something that's, that's longer and more permanent because then when you do do something else and switch it up on the fans, they're like, whoa, it's a, you know, it's a drastic change and it, it will get that reaction. So I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Um, but again, I'm in, I'm in no rush to leave kind of where I am now. It was a trip to me when I was prepping for this and I was, you know, looking at your Wikipedia and I realized it had already been a year since you had been in this role. Like it went by so fast that year of you doing this, like over a year now. Yeah. Um, over a year. Yeah. But you've really grown in that year. Like you were doing great before, but it just feels like you have fully understood your character now and you like know how you want to portray yourself. And it's really cool to see. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And it, it's it's a lot easier when you do understand your character and know your character so well it makes the in-ring stuff come a lot more naturally because you understand what you would and wouldn't do. And, um, you know, I, I see some fans like, oh, we miss her when she was an MMA ass kicker. And I was like, guys, there was no depth. There wasn't depth to that character. And she didn't 
especially now in the layout that we have the Shayna Baszler's and the Ronda Rousey's and the Zia Lee's, that doesn't, that doesn't stand out for me anymore. What stands out for me is I'm the only female authority figure. And that to me is um, irreplaceable. I also feel like you've done a good job with the power suits of kind of like defining the <laughs> role, you know, of like giving you a, a, a distinct look, you know, that you're not the MMA fighter, but you're like this suit wearing confident badass. I feel like, I feel like you, do you think it's confident, accurate to say that you have the best suit game in wrestling right now? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Seth does a great job. They're very eccentric and loud and bold, but it's a completely different style. You know, we go more sleek, James Bondy. Um, sometimes I do like the steampunk goth. It gives me a little, um, you know, matrix vibe um with like my longer jackets but yeah it, it was i take a lot of pride actually my suit collection is sitting right next to me um but i take a lot of pride in my suit collection and when i was kind of pitching or going back and forth with this role with vince um the suits was the pitch it was i have these suits can we incorporate it and then i think that's when his brain started going and he was like she, she wants to wear a three-piece suit on TV. Let's make her the ball. Like, so I think that's where the genesis of like the character came from was actually the suits. It's crazy how just something so small like that can really make a character when you, like you hear <laughs> actors all the time where like, I was listening to an interview with, oh, it was a really famous actor. I forget who it was, but it was something so small of like, he said, if he start, you know, when he starts in a movie, if the name of the character doesn't feel like something he can connect with, he'll say to the director, like, I want to change the name to this. And usually they'll say, okay, and it, it makes the whole thing for him. Or it can be, you know, glasses or a jacket. But it's, I really feel like when you find that thing, it really does help you define the character more. Absolutely. And like, you know, I just, once I put the suit and the tie on, like, I just feel like Sonya now, like, and that's what it's become. And um, it, it felt really like good to me too, because that's how I like to dress like in my, not in three piece suits every day, but like mixing the menswear with women's wear is kind of like my vibe that's organic to me. So to be able to wear that on camera, it made me feel so like myself, like I felt comfortable. Um, you know, sometimes I like to rock a dress in heels, but it's like not what I'm most comfortable in. So I don't feel like my organic self, um, the most when I'm wearing it. So yeah, it's really cool to incorporate the suits. Well, heels in a dress just seem uncomfortable in, in any way, They're every single way, shape and form. I, I don't know how people do. I, you know, I ask Liv and Mandy all the time. I'm like, how do you guys do it every day? Like, how do you just walk in like four inch heels? Like I can't, my feet don't, they don't work. And they tell me I need practice. And I'm like, I don't want to get good at that. I don't want that to become my norm. <laughs> No, why? No, I. That seems like the worst thing. Go, go in your free time, the little free time that you have. Go walk around your house in heels for for the whole oh, day. Like that sounds awful. Terrible. I ain't got time for that. Mm -mm. <laughs> um. Do Do you have a stylist who helps you with the clothes, or is that just all you? No, that's all me. I have um, like four suit people. I have. Certain people like David Allen that can make them custom custom. So I could tell him to put like bananas on a suit and he can. Then I have um, a really good suit shop in Tampa, Milano Exchange that does like limited quantity custom suits. And I just go by the smallest size and then I get it 
tailored, tailored, tailored until it's like a woman's suit um, and fits me. But yeah, I have a bunch of people that kind of make me custom slash semi custom suits um, that I consult with. I'll be like, what do you think about this color? You know, we kind of go back and forth. But yeah, then you're definitely you're definitely beating Seth. No offense to Seth, but he has a stylist (laughs) who's giving him all that stuff. Like he shows up, they send it to him. I don't think he has. I know. He made it seem like he doesn't have the same kind of input that that you're having there. So I think that you, you know win what? just because it's all in here anyways. I think he's got it figured out, though, because I think he's probably saving a lot of money on that. <laughs> I know his style. <laughs> I know his stylist and his stylist, uh, King Troy, he styled me for the purple carpet with Glad. He did such a good job. And I was like kind of talking to him and I was like, wait a second. So you just send the suits every week and then he sends them back. I'm getting custom <laughs> suits and I have like, I don't know, probably like 40 sitting here. Can I see, yeah. can you turn, can I see, I'm wondering yeah. what's your, I, I was going to ask. So the fact that it's, all right. Yeah. You do got a serious suit collection there. Yeah. That's there's nice. Like, there's like ones behind it too. <laughs> and then I actually just picked up like four or five from the dry cleaner that have been sitting there for weeks because yeah. <laughs> Did you and uh, Rhea Ripley find out in Saudi Arabia that you guys had made similar gear for the show? Yeah. Like, so when I returned in my match against Naomi, um, I was getting like tweets that my gear looks like Rhea Ripley. And I was like, Oh, it kind of does. <laughs> um, but I didn't do it intentionally. We do have very similar style. Um, and then we like looked at each other in Saudi and she was like, we have to do a photo shoot. And I was like, dude, we have to. And so we went and took pictures and I don't know why, but the combination with me and Rhea, anytime I post a picture with me and Rhea, the comment section goes (laughs) berserk and they're a little inappropriate if you know what I'm saying, but we were taught me. (laughs) That's why I wanted to bring it up though, because (laughs) those comment sections are insane. I feel like I was telling, because my producer, I told him like, pull that picture up. And he was like, why? And I was like, I was like, it's one of the only times I've seen a universal thirst for people on social media, where it's just like people saying the craziest, thirstiest comments to to Sonia and Rhea. I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I post pictures with beautiful women all the time. Mandy, Liv, like Mela, like I, I don't know. I think it might be, we both have like large energy, strong energy, if you know what I'm saying. I, I, I just, think it's the fact I don't that you guys can, I, I think it's the fact that you guys are both able to wear suits and stuff too. And like rock it and make it look like boss, you know, cause I, You'll see okay. the comments. It's a lot of like step on me and like I see a lot of that in the comments whenever you guys post yep. pictures together. So some yep. kind of sort of variation of step on me is usually the norm. Got it. Okay, I'm I'm catching a vibe of what yep, they like. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's a whole another demographic we just tapped into that I didn't know existed. <laughs> well, the, what would you call Sonia Rhea fans? The the Sonras? That sounds good. I like that. The, the yeah, that's the Reno's, the, the, the Ripley's. No, that doesn't sound as good. Uh, makes me think of like those um, chocolate dipped. That's kind of a visual, yeah, That was the visual I had as well. Well, we we will we'll <laughs> workshop on that one a little bit. Uh, right. I want to ask you one more question before I close things up here, and that's uh, how much have you enjoyed working with Adam Pierce? Um a lot. It's, it's cool to have like a yin to the yang and it's cool to have him, um, with this role. I've been, I've known Adam since like the day I started in NXT, he was a coach down at the performance center. So 
we've we've been through a lot together. I've had him as my producer and then to be able to work with him on camera has been really cool. Would you say that he's helped you kind of like figure out your character as well since you've had someone to play off of like that? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, we, we both have like strong energy. So I feel like when we go to work on camera, we both like turn it on and it kind of gives that organic, like sense of competition and it's been really nice to have like someone to play off of and to kind of play into the different ways you could go with an authority figure. You know, he leans more this way sometimes and I lean more that way. And then sometimes we're on the same page. So it's definitely cool to have like the diversity amongst us. Well, we've reached the end of our time here, but I like to end every episode with a segment that I like to call finishing move i did that right this time that was cool right i did that right this time wow (laughs) i messed up the first time i did it yeah yeah i messed up the first time i did it but that one was much more smooth i'm proud of myself on that one so was uh, the new thing yeah new only second time i've done that so i'm still working it out we're still figuring it out but (laughs) that felt good that time i'm happy uh (laughs) now for you uh you've had a couple different moves i feel like so what, what would you consider your finishing move right now um shining wizard of the shining wizard okay so who's your favorite person to hit the shining wizard on and why Ooh. Mm. that's a good question um probably naomi because we've worked together so much um and i love to mess up her beautiful little face Uh, if you could steal a finishing move from any legend of the past and make it your own, which would you choose? Ooh. Um, I love the spear. So, but there's like five people that have had that. Yeah. So all of you just, 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 you know, gift it to me one day. (laughs) I just, I just love it. It's so impactful. You could do it out of nowhere. You could do it to anybody of any size. It's just such a good move. And it actually looks like it would hurt. Like if you had someone go shoulder first in your stomach like that and tackle you down, like it's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's not enjoyable. No, not at all. Uh, And lastly, what's the most memorable time you hit any of your finishing moves on someone? Memorable match this is one of these questions where you look back and you're like, I didn't say what I wanted to say. Um, I understand. I literally, the person I interviewed right before you just, uh, I, I could say it because I, I, we already announced she's on the show. Renee Young was, or Renee Paquette was the last I had uh-huh. on right before you. And uh, she, as we were talking, I have a text message from her that I haven't read that said, God, I wish I had said something different for that last question. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I, I was going to make a joke and say I don't win that often. So there's not that many to choose from. Oh, but that's messed up. Um, mm, probably uh, on Mandy, because that storyline was um, kind of like the genesis of my career. I feel like it meant a lot to me uh, personally and professionally. And um when I got the W over her leading into SummerSlam, that was, a, it was big. So yeah, I'd say that. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciated it. I had a blast chatting with you. You're the best. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Talk Until soon. next time. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <Bye>. Later. <laughs> All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Really cool getting to chat with her. I felt 
like there was, a, I, I related to her a lot. I understand the grind. I understand a lot of that. So really cool hearing all that from Sonya Deville. Before we get out of here, though, I got to say a couple things. I got to make you go follow a few things so that it helps us out. Go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed. That's where you can find this show every week, the full version of it. So if you're watching right now on video, pick up your phone. Like I said at the top of the episode, pick up your phone and go subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening on, it helps out a lot. And if you feel inclined to do it, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or review as well. Also, go subscribe to the, to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find the video version of this show in full, premiering every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. There's also clips from SmackDown and clips from Raw as well. So make sure that you are subscribed there. And when the video gets uh, first put up for this show that announces, you know, that, that goes up before it premieres, you can even click a little bell and it'll notify you when this show is about to begin. Also follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You need our stuff. So go follow us. We appreciate it a lot. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.